Do you check your phone first thing in the morning or last thing in the night? Do you feel your screens are in control of you? Do you feel that your screen time has exponentially increased? Have you heard of misinformation and believed it to be true? Look Up, Not Down is a podcast where we talk about how you can lead a healthy relationship with your technology. Join us on our journey with several youth experts and advocates to cover domains like digital overload, fake news, mindfulness, ethical technology, technology for good, and much more. Thanks for joining in and we hope you like the podcast. Hi everyone, uh, this is Antra. Hello and welcome to the third episode of our uh, Look Up India's podcast series, Look Up, Not Down. Uh, today we are uh, you know, trying to explore how to have a more healthy relationship with technology. And Look Up India is actually an initiative, uh, you know, influenced by LookUp.Life, uh, which is a non-profit that tries to work towards uh, helping youth explore how to have a more healthy relationship with technology on a day-to-day basis. And also it helps to, you know, invest in and cultivate and subsequently scale up youth-led ideas to different places in the world uh, where young people can leverage this to have a more healthy relationship with technology uh, on a day-to-day basis. We have with us uh, Barkha Tripathi today, who is a very dynamic 23-year-old social entrepreneur, corporate professional turned social entrepreneur. She finished her graduation um, in the year 2018 from Kirorimal College, uh, Delhi University post which she worked as a compliance analyst at PwC India for a year. Subsequently, she sort of deep dived into the social sector through the Indian Leaders for Social Sector Initiative, where she worked as an associate for their partnerships and alumni relations uh, for over a year. After that, now she has uh, sort of embarked on a journey of her own, inspired by her you know, passion to work in the space of women and child development, uh, which has led her to found her own initiative which is called the zero period and she's currently working on uh, introducing a sexuality curriculum as part of uh, the Indian uh, school curriculum as part of a necessary component of the Indian school curriculum and uh, over to you Bhatha let's take this discussion forward. For sure thanks a lot for the introduction Andhra I really appreciate it and uh, yeah, that's about me. Uh, the initiative it has also just kick started. Uh, so please, uh, you know, you can just uh, we are on LinkedIn, we are on Instagram, so you can stay in tune with our work uh, over there. The name is Zero Period, like Andhra highlighted. So yeah, let's get to it. Yes. So we would, you know, first want to understand a little bit about the work that you What has been your motivation behind, uh, you know, starting the Zero Period? So yeah, that's where we would like to start. All right, sure. Uh, coming to the initiative now. Uh, so the zero period, like you mentioned, aims to enable and advocate for sexuality education in Indian schools. Uh, that's the core idea. Of course, our intervention strat- strategy will uh, revolve around going to schools, uh, training those teachers, and ultimately making them equipped to hold sexuality education classes in their classrooms. Right. So at the moment, uh, this, this is what it you know briefly looks like. Of course many nuances go into it as well like building the curriculum out having those schools on board how to approach them how to even sell the idea of sexuality education first of all which is a core uh, component of our work so yeah that's uh, kind of what we do here and uh, like 
just mentioned like my passion towards it i guess comes from just the fact that you know having these experiences in school really changes your outlook um when you are in school and you go through certain i mean uh, unfortunately negative experiences uh, you know you tend to realize as you grow up that i mean it was not really required for me to not know things it was not really required uh, to be unaware i could have seeked help um, but i just didn't and these things that i should have probably known 5 to 7 years ago i know today as probably say a college student or a graduate college graduate uh, so that should just not be the reality right <laughs> and what do you feel is the gap is it that you know most of us when we go through these experiences in uh, schools especially not really realize you know what what are we going through because uh, yeah that is the case that i've noticed with most uh, women and even uh, men right uh okay. back you know years after uh the event has already happened and then they realize you know that okay this happened to me and this was wrong but they do okay. not realize it when it happened why do you think that is uh true i mean like i just mentioned lack of awareness something as simple as that if you teach a child at 6th grade that hey this is what uh negative behavior looks like this is what positive behavior looks like something as small as that just good and bad differences between how a person is treating you good versus how they're treating you bad that goes a long way you don't need to teach them each and every definition of good and bad but just that awareness and that to given as like a, a substantial learning not just something that we assume they will be getting out of their houses we assume their peers will be discussing with them something that we take as our responsibility that yeah they, they need to know this it's going to be a part of their overall uh, schooling life uh, so yeah just lack of awareness is the reason i guess sure and uh, what do you believe the role of technology has been so far in terms of uh, influencing uh, sexuality education in india per se yeah sure uh, so you know with the i mean with indian case if we talk about it's very precarious i mean uh, since i guess uh, 2007 since the ap came out uh, india has been facing numerous challenge with sex ed itself <laughs> so i won't even go down to the uh, integration of sex ed and tech where problems lie with the first kickstart which is sex ed uh, but you're right i think the fact that it's an ecosystem we need to realize that the problem is a complete holistic problem not just the fact that schools are not okay addressing it because parents are not okay hence schools are not okay because schools are not okay say the edtech industry is not okay so because edtech industry is not okay you don't see that very often even on say youtube channels or instagram or like a child's everyday access to technology it's everything influences everybody so yeah like somebody needs to basically be cycle yeah but uh, like going by you know what uh, you know from most young people and teenagers and uh, college goers etc um most of them uh, sort of you know nowadays resort to the internet as a method for educating Terms. Uh, what what would be your opinion as someone who works in this space? Uh, like, is that something that should be encouraged, or is that something that needs to be regulated or monitored? And how healthy is it for a young person to sort of uh, get this information for themselves? Uh, from the internet correct uh, that's a very good question that you asked me because uh, while even brainstorming on our work like the zero peers work and what it's going to look like uh, we wanted to integrate the aspect of technology and there were times when we explored what if we just build another app 
uh, make this information easily accessible in you know a fancy format for a child to just look up and go and you know basically learn these things uh, but you know what we realized was uh, information is out there it's not like and that's a good information i'm not even just going to say that information as in you need to search some research papers or some links mm-hmm. like that informative creative um, very uh, you know inclusive information is out there even if for the indian audience it's just a matter of kids wanting to access it i remember last time when we spoke i also mentioned that um, you know students tend to get attracted to negative things so to say like basically things that are they know hush hush topics and they are not supposed to talk about so they will also research about it in a hush hush manner they will go to things like say of course i think one of the biggest challenges i would say is porn so that is a hush hush topic so they won't ever address it with their friends address it with their like you know teachers parents whatever they will just look it up themselves and that's where they get negative information right uh, when i say negative here of course it also means that uh, you know this learning about ourselves and human body and our partners and sex overall through porn is just flawed on many various levels <laughs> but uh, that's what kids are naturally attracted to when it comes to that right so mm-hmm. what we see here is that despite good information being out there kids are attracted to negative information right so i am not going to say that uh, technology has not held the situation out but the fact that technology technology remains unregulated and you know element of choice comes into the picture the kid chooses what they click on the child chooses what they want to view and what they not want to view right so these right. things i think are very critical when it comes to sexuality education and um, i guess the solution to this is that um, you know the more earlier on they are prepared that you know uh, this is the resource to go look for this is yeah. the right information before they even have that you know inkling of hey this is a hush hush topic you know there's a time in their life when they realized that you know this is not something probably that should be discussed openly so before that social realization happens if that is just properly addressed the whole idea of it being hush hush goes away yeah and uh, like just taking from that what do you think is a right age to sort of uh, start orienting a child uh, towards these kind of topics which are very hush hush at now so that you know they are not uh, a overwhelmed or b treated like something which is uh, not supposed to be spoken and discussed in public what do, what do you feel uh, as someone working in this space what do you feel is a good age for us to start Uh, orienting kids in this direction right so i'm just going to take a step back here and also kind of explain uh, why we say sexuality education and not say sex education right one of the biggest myths or the biggest misconceptions around a sex education or like sexuality education as we like to call it is that it only revolves around information on sex which is incorrect sexuality education is so basically you can imagine it like this sex ed is a subset of sexuality education right. within sexuality education there are many various elements uh, such as say you can uh, you can just pick up like tolerance empathy for others good and bad values respect for parents or respect for others cultures or respect for others identities uh, drug abuse so on and so forth of course uh, comes there also comes physical health emotional health sexual health so sex education in particular talks about uh, things that are related to the anatomy of the boy and the girl and non binary folk and you know how that their whole sexual exploration happens but the sexuality 
is a plethora of information, right? So when you say that what is the right age for sexuality education, particularly even international, uh, even by international standards, I would say that is recognized to be grade second, which is say I guess seven, uh, seven uh, or eight years old when a child is around that age, right? So that is the correct age to expose them to these topics, like all this range of topic, right? So here I'll just uh, also like to mention that uh, UNICEF in 2018 uh, put out the revised uh, module for like, basically a technical guide for a comprehensive sexuality education model and how it should look like. So they highlighted seven key concepts that should be included within it. So uh, like the first one is relationships. The second one is uh, values, rights, culture and sexuality, which is more integrated towards the child's identity overall. Uh, third is understanding gender, which is again like I mean, we know that within India, this whole taboo right now going on, which is also being addressed as its own fire, but it's a topic nonetheless, which is important for a child to be exposed to, of course, in an age appropriate manner since the beginning, right? So the fourth one is violence and uh, staying safe, uh, which is of course like the key element of even sex education. Uh, skills mm -hmm. for health and well-being, uh, which also includes a very good aspect of mental health. Uh, then there is human, uh, the human body and development, which is closer mm -hmm. now to what we call sex education, right? Uh, then we have uh, sexuality and sexual behavior and sexual and reproductive health, which is essentially the key component of sex ed. So three or the last three concepts, six, seven, and eight, essentially touched around sex ed and were around it. But the other, uh, uh, you know, the other four were a little away from it. They were more about the attitude of the child and how, what they're learning overall as a person. It's a more so holistic not... way of looking at the entire thing, which I believe will be integral to the development of the child as well. Like right from two, like we mentioned, uh, till the time. Yeah. You know, when uh, a child hits puberty, like which okay. by time probably they would be in a more uh, informed space to make a correct decision instead of getting overwhelmed with the uh, information that comes to us when we go through that stage, uh, which I believe uh, most of us have gone through. Uh, Absolutely. So uh, moving forward, Barkha, yeah. I think uh, if we can just talk about a little about the research that you recently published. And what were your findings? Um, and you know how did that help you uh, figure out your way forward for the zero period initiative? Correct. Yeah. So, like, of course, uh, that's um, that will also give me a chance to uh, tell you guys how we came across like, you know, even establishing this organization in the first place. Uh, so we started out as actually just having the survey done where we ask people some intimate questions about their schooling life, uh, not current school kids. Uh, kids who have graduated from school uh, so that in hindsight they can provide a certain experiences and uh, you know moments where they think that something which sex education could have tackled I mean that they face something that sex education could have tackled essentially right uh, so that is what this survey was about the four key elements again uh, being that we wanted to of course see the presence of sex ed in India so we just like something very uh, like you know a very basic questions such as as was sex ed given to you in any shape or form it could be just one workshop on menstruation it could be just one workshop on put in that touch so we had certain results about it and in fact uh, let me just take this opportunity and say the first result that is that is also going to be released soon 
is that uh, close to 72% people said that they received no form of sex education, not even a menstruation workshop, not even a good touch, bad touch uh, training, nothing. Like there was absolutely nothing done in the school. Uh, mm-hmm. So that also coincides with the international research again, that uh, close to about uh, three out of 10 children are only given uh, you know, sex education in any form. That's not even uh, including sexuality education. And I'm just curious, uh, so I'm sure some of your uh, people in your sample set would have gone to, you know, girls' schools and boys' schools and boys' right? So was this uh, no workshop on menstruation and no sort of uh, dialogue at all true of all girls' schools as well, people who went to all girls' schools as well? Correct. So this is basically the 72% is uh, across our database. So more than 2000 people responded to the survey and uh, the 72% age is basically overall. So we had uh, we had a number of folks from all boys and all girls school who answered this questionnaire too. Uh, we have released a demographic on our page as well. So you can check that out. And uh, we basically what we are planning to do this whole month is essentially we don't want like a comprehensive report to just go out and that be it. Uh, mm-hmm. We will be releasing the key results from the report in bits and pieces just before the final release. So mm-hmm. that, of course, like we also do understand that infomercials just make a more impact on people and we want to leverage that. Uh, so, yeah, like here also comes the tangent that we know how technology works and how to, <laughs> you know, uh, make people hear, hear us. So, yeah, yes. like I mentioned, this is going to be, uh, like, so demographics have been released just uh, just now, in fact, last week only. Where we highlight how many, uh, you know, boarding school kids, day school kids, uh, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. filled out our survey. Uh, how many uh, men, women, non-binary filled out our survey and, you know, all boys, all girls. School. Basically, the schooling composition of uh, each uh, person who filled out the survey. Right. That's, yeah, yeah. That's very important, I guess, because I went to an all-girls school and even then, uh, you know, we never, we never was, there was never like a dialogue about all these things uh, including all those biology chapters that I guess all of us sat through irrespective of what schools we went to and it was just uh, done in a very hasty fashion for whatsoever reasons. So yes, uh, I think that is something that needs to change. And um, uh, moving forward, uh, what in your opinion, especially keeping the Indian demography in mind, um, where we know uh, the values, etc., the morals that uh, most of our uh, you know, the older generation subscribe to. So what do you think is a good way to start this dialogue uh, in our society, per se? Uh, you know, even before it uh, goes to becoming a responsibility for schools or higher ed institutions, right? How do we start this dialogue in our society? And uh, secondly, how can we, you know, leverage technology to help initiate this dialogue? Is there a way to use technology to help this become a topic that you know parents discuss with children and children discuss with parents in an open and transparent manner yeah so um i will also like to answer this question in relation to our intervention strategy like the zero period what what we are also planning with schools right uh so we do recognize that sex education cannot be happen happening in isolation it cannot, even though we go and train teachers, even though these teachers take good classes and these children are informed, the core essence essentially is of no use if the child comes out of the class feeling the same feeling that they felt before it. 
and which may really happen if their society does not accept it. So when we talk about society, uh, yes, correct. I think uh, the essential element of sexuality education is its acceptance. We want people to realize that this is something that is essentially important for kids uh, to grow up to be healthy individuals. Uh, we already see there are so many cases. I mean, of course, uh, when we come to behavioral lens also, something as small as violence, bullying, body shaming, all of these things are so prevalent now among children. And especially, I would say, uh, social media or technology has only impacted it in a negative way as well. Uh, when uh, we see that 14, 15 year old kids are using Instagram and YouTube and they see all of these models say, what does a kid who's 15 or 16 or is going through her own problems with her acne phases and like her bloating phases and she's seeing all of these people and just feeling more and more insecure about her body. So the thing is that not to even, uh, you know, say that uh, people who are on Instagram and, you know, putting up these, this stuff is, uh, they're doing something bad. They're just putting their lives out there. It's just that these kids need to be taught that, hey, this is what you should not compare yourself to. You are a 16-year-old in school. These are, these are the bodily changes you're going through. And this is why you basically feel these things, right? So you cannot feel it just by informing them. Or maybe they will feel it a little less if we address it, right? So, um, yeah, like when it comes to these small aspects also, I feel, you know, social media does play a little bit of a role there. Of course, when I also mentioned porn uh, back there, I, I will bring it up again and say that when, say, specific, specifically school-going boys, they indulge in, you know, consuming porn a lot. So uh, their image about how a girl should look like gets really faltered there. Uh, you know, there are in fact video games today as we speak, there are video games like The Sims, uh, there are a couple more, I guess I'm missing out the names, where these kids can choose how the body of the women will look like, who's going to play as their representative, right? Now imagine what's, what is it doing to these kids, right? It's essentially impacting their own outlook towards how body should look like. So what it also perpetrates as is when they are in school, they're body shaming other people or they are probably even in worst case scenarios, they're indulging in violence because they think that they the other person is not worth their attention or their respect, right? So you never know how these things have ripple effects, right? And technology is like this very uh, critical thing in this whole picture if we recognize it. Of course, um, the survey that we did uh, to talk about that a little bit, um, you know, we do also recognize that the very key limitation of our study is the fact that um, we have targeted people who graduated from school. So their yeah. experience and their exposure with social media, YouTube, etc., you know, mm -hmm. has been a little limited because, uh, you know, technology was not that prevalent for uh, school-going kids mm -hmm. back then. But now mm -hmm. it is a huge thing. Uh, kids in seventh class, sixth, kids in sixth class are exposed to these things. So, um, you know, that is a, a key element that I think we should think about. And again, not to take away anything from the internet, not to stop the kids from consuming it, to just make them more aware that hey, this is what happens there. This is something that you may feel, and you should mm -hmm. just not feel it because this is what's happening with you. And this yeah. is how we challenge outlooks. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't think surveillance can be the answer to anything, right? Like uh, absolutely, just uh, orient them better at an earlier age. And now it becomes yeah. more important because of pandemic. Everyone's at home access technology we're literally pushing people towards technology right there is technology right. is the only way that we are connected to each other be it at work be it outside of work 
uh, there is no other alternative literally left right mm-hmm. now and kids are uh, you know gravitating towards video games and spending so much more time with their screens by kids right. I mean, across uh, ages and uh, surveillance definitely cannot help in this case it's rather you know just give the kid uh, that exposure earlier on so that they do not uh, have these warped perceptions of uh, human bodies of how intimate relationships should look like okay. uh, i think that is that is what we are trying to solve by so that is what you are also trying to solve and uh, <laughs> notion of uh, you know that gender is not binary i think that's very very important people <clears throat> respect that like gender is definitely not something that can be treated as binary right okay. um yes yeah, so katha uh, moving forward as part of the zero period initiative uh, we do know that you want to take this entire concept of sexuality education and advocate for it to become an integral part of the school curriculum so right. what are your next steps uh, like how are you uh, taking this forward say do you have like a roadmap in mind that uh, you know you can talk to our viewers about um, sure. and you know just like a lot of our viewers do belong to the age group uh, that you are targeting in the respective schools so right. we want them to know about uh, something like this and what they can expect right so yeah when it comes to uh, what we have in plan of course like i mentioned we are also just starting off so a lot of things in the bucket which are untested at the moment so i would rather call that our pilot program which is essentially uh, going through teacher training method uh, will begin in the next academic year fingers crossed that it will be happening offline uh, so what we are doing here is uh, like i said our work is advocating for and enabling so let me talk about the enabling bit first and then i'll come to advocating um so how we enable is is basically taking the route of teacher training where we pick up a sex educator or an expert in this field who will take a comprehensive set of uh, workshops with existing teachers so now here let me also highlight another challenge that we have uh, you know basically just swallowed a hard pill here uh, understanding india's reality go of course all of the um, you know major if you go to any international organization they say that you know the kids should be taught certain subjects and certain things uh, right from the get go from class second like i mentioned but that is just not possible and we don't want the school to ultimately not do anything something is better than nothing is where we are looking at and we do recognize that people have their inhibitions and perhaps rightfully so it's mm-hmm. our job to bust it we cannot expect people who have been growing up in a certain cultural background to one day just wake up and be open to everything so advocating is a, like i mentioned a huge part of it but mm-hmm. enabling is basically because teachers are also ultimately adults and uh, when they are taking classes even if it's a maths teacher perhaps right you never know how this teacher in their in a normal classroom setting is perpetrating gender roles or is perpetrating you know a binary form of uh, gender identity we want them to know that hey this is what the reality is and if you think there is a moment of teaching in your everyday curriculum in your everyday syllabus teaching if you come across something like this of a subject which is kind of correlated correlated to social values we want you to highlight it we want you to seize that opportunity to also teach something to kids which is additional to your subject right so basically helping them also navigate this whole uh, you know breaking the stereotypes that they have in their heads the certain inhibitions that they have addressing it with them 
and perhaps just making a difference in their own minds. Though, of course, uh, them being adults, it's going to be much more challenging and hence the experts are in the picture. Uh, so that's going to be like the, what it's going to look like is essentially a week-long, say, workshop sessions with them. Uh, then from there on, so imagine, like I mentioned, we are not going early schooling, so we will be targeting 6 to 8. Even our uh, research survey that we did highlighted that most people were the pros for 6 to 8 standard. So we will be targeting these three classes, at least in our pilot program. And um, we will be handpicking, like, say, three teachers who mm -hmm. showed the most, uh, you know, a passion for this subject. That we are not going to force any teacher who is uncomfortable with the topic. We are not going to force anybody to teach something which, uh, you know, ultimately they might not even be able to deliver, right? Uh, so out of, say, a set of 10 teachers who teach secondary school, we want to pick up three teachers who feel most comfortable talking about it, probably have the time because we also recognize that teaching itself is a thankless job and pandemic has, uh, you know, kind of really impacted teachers' mental health too. So uh, three teachers essentially for 6th, 7th and 8th, each class representative. And uh, we will be giving them a comprehensive uh, sex education curriculum, which they will be teaching throughout the year to these children. So they will be our point of contact, like the school the teacher already existing in the school is going to be our point of contact. Um, and they will be basically handheld by the sex educator who's on board with us. Uh, so if they come across any you know, particular problem or they find something challenging or if there's anything particular they want to pick up in their implementation, we are always there. So it's going to be a sustained year-long intervention. Our target is to make sure that sex ed is treated as a subject. It's not just something that happens one off, one workshop, and then that's it. Um, right. So, yeah, that's the enabling part. Advocating part is where I think um, I would like to highlight how social media is going to really benefit us. Um, mm -hmm. We are going to leverage, uh, you know, all of these social channels and uh, do on our part make sure that some sort of social and behavioral change also occurs. Now, there are a lot of ideas in our mind, but of course that involves partnering hopefully partnering with a lot of edtech uh, foundations as well because uh, you know even say something as small as let me just take names here and something as small as byju's or an academy or khan academy if they pick up something like this it's really going to make a difference if they hire sex educators to make certain infographics or videos or something that if a student, a normal student who's studying goes on to this platform, imagine this, a child who's opening this platform is already looking at it, I'm here to study, right? And then yeah. they come across this topic, which is vaguely interesting for every child. So then they open it and then they probably browse through two, three things, materials that they have, right? Yeah. So it's always going to catch attention academically when it's put on academic forums. Probably perhaps right. say on YouTube, it may not capture attention because YouTube has also a hundred other entertainment sources. <laughs> Moreover, just like saying here that maybe if it's in part of the academic curriculum, the, you know, the lens that with, the lens through which people look at it will change as opposed to if it's, you know, uploaded on YouTube, which is sad, and but sort of the reality <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah so, yes yeah no absolutely you are correct about that so we do recognize that the challenge with this topic could be that you know if it's just put out there then it may not be consumed correctly or it may not be consumed at all by the right audience but right. if it's put on on platforms where the motive is education then it will be looked at in the education lens. And honestly, with the reach of edtech platforms, we also recognize that they have a huge role to play here. It's just a matter of us also being sure, uh, you know, about our strategy and how we work. 
So being an NGO, again, we recognize that we have limitations when it comes to scale, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So that is when the whole idea of advocating for it comes where we want to leverage already existing technologies which are built for overall education and, uh, you know, enable them to also uh, pick this up as a subject, right? Right. Uh, One last thing that I really wanted to touch on, which personally, you know, me a lot, is how do you think sexuality education is sort of uh, influenced by the way popular culture is uh, viewed, not not just in India but anywhere in the world? And uh, what do you think? What is your take on uh, the role that popular culture plays to sort of uh, because popular culture is a huge influence wherever we go, right? Uh, and That's what is, is your take on uh, the way it is portrayed now? Uh, be it sexuality, be it about gender, be it uh, anything, uh, you know, that is sort of, uh, because popular culture, again, like these people are our icons since, you know, we are kids and we look at them doing something, we want to be them at some point of time in all our lives and they are role models. So do you think something needs to change there uh, which can, you know, make this a more favorable sort of a situation for uh, especially people in the uh, formative years of their life right so yeah i think um you know when you say pop culture or generally how like ott platforms are like producing yeah. content now etc etc right these things have a huge role to play when we talk about social and behavioral change which we yeah. cannot ignore is a core component of even making sexuality education our reality ultimately so uh these like i remember let me just take my own example here uh my mom was watching this show online and she just comes to me up you must have heard of this bombay become which has just come out right so apparently it has uh been put like ntpcr has lodged a case against them and that whole tangent has been taken there uh because they apparently show a scene where a minor or a teenager is indulging in sexual activity, consensual sexual activity. So she comes and she asks me, is this normal? And I say, well, I can't generalize it, right? Uh, but if they're showing it, uh, it must be somebody's reality. So yeah. here, what happened was it, it opened her mind to, okay, uh, probably a child that age can do that consensually as well. They may be lacking mm-hmm. in knowledge. They may be lacking in a lot of things about what they're doing, but they are doing it. And that's the myth that was bust in that moment for an adult. So I would say that social and behavioral change essentially is what, like, it's going to be a trickle-down effect. Children of, like, you know, 12, 11 age group, they're not going to care about, like, what society thinks about this topic. They care about what they think about the topic. (laughs) This is also, uh, you know, again, uh, another whole story. But uh, these platforms essentially are ensuring that adults look at it differently. I think, uh, you know, they really have a power of, uh, you know, tar- if they target the right audience, which is say, what I believe OTT platforms and OTT dramas are really doing, is they're targeting the right audience. Of course, their content is 18 plus, so adults are watching it. And they are basically realizing that it could be a child's reality. I'm not saying it's general, I'm not saying it happens everywhere, but it could happen. So now they imagine like another parent uh, who would have seen it uh, must have had a kid 10 year old. Same question, same everything. They would have thought, okay, let me tell them about it because I feel a little scared. What if it happens to them and what if they decide to do it? 
so yeah. right that's where i think it begins right uh, so yeah like pop culture i think absolutely and with this whole gender uh, i think lgbtq community and its voice that has really grown over since uh, 2017 and 2018 of course the landmark ruling that happened it mm-hmm. has also paved way for so much conversation i think we see indian uh, queer content now on these platforms we see indian queer social media influencers you know actually gaining so much traction it's not like people are not recognizing recognizing them of course mm-hmm. it's a matter of it's i think it's going to be a slow process we cannot fast track it either it's going to come there but it's going to come there slow as mm-hmm. us as normal civilians and advocates of this uh, subject what most that we can do is influence our environment and our society so whenever yeah. we see something like this we challenge like we see some content like this or you know any media social media content like this it's our responsibility mm-hmm. to share with, share it with people who may not know about it it doesn't have to be kids could be adults and we just talk about hey this can happen to a school child or sexual harassment is real and it can look this n number of ways doesn't have to be a gruesome rape at the end of the day it could be anything and uh, your child needs to re- realize it so it's a trickle down effect like i mentioned right and ultimately when we as a society really accept it uh, even the government won't hesitate uh, you know they will also be like okay seems like it's important seems like uh, our uh, like you know the country essentially accepts this as essential for a child to learn and we're going to make it a curriculum yeah because while you know the beneficiaries are the children and the teenagers yeah. uh, the ambassadors and the champions have to be the parents and uh, absolutely that is that is how we can take this conversation forward right. so yeah um thank you so much uh, for your time pratha if you have else that you would like to say about uh, you know your journey your initiative or any call yeah. to action for a young person who's struggling to uh, figure out um, anything to do with sexuality and gender and uh, overall yeah. things that just bombard us with a lot of information what would be right. your advice to them or what what do you think you want to tell them right so i mean of course because you uh, also mentioned that our viewers could be younger kids so i want to really take this moment to also highlight like we have been talking about technology too so there is good information out there it's just a matter of people knowing about it right mm-hmm. it's it our tendencies to be attracted or be lured towards negative content or let me just not say negative just flashy dramatic content which we don't have information about Mm-hmm. uh but uh, things that people can explore so say for example there is a youtube channel which has 2 minute or under content on very crisp information about the range of sexuality education so the name of the uh, youtube channel is amaze or um they have like animated content essentially so it could be actually shown to even younger kids perhaps uh, young adults and parents can take note of this that if they want their child to learn something through animated things and not graphic content mm-hmm. they could in fact uh, you know explore channels like these and i'm sure then youtube will ultimately keep recommending certain stuff and you can explore that so amaze.org is definitely uh, you know very creative content and very to the point uh, youtube channel another youtube channel which i feel could can be a, a great help for parents who are having tough conversations quote unquote tough conversations uh, yeah. on this subject uh, even something i'm not going to say tough conversations just in regard with sex it could be just uh, you know why violence is bad 
even that could be a tough conversation for a parent and you may not recognize it right so planned parenthood actually has a series on this on youtube where uh, it guides how parents can navigate such conversations of course uh, like i'm saying again when you search one channel there must be 10 other pop-ups that you see on the same subject so you know basically uh, people who are generally interested in this subject and want to know more these could be amazing handles like AI can also be really beneficial if you just use the right content. So if you're exposing yourself to say, for example, uh, you know, how to talk to my child about uh, STDs. So then it will recommend you 10 more things and you can just pick and choose which one you like the best and which one talks about it in the way you feel most comfortable, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, that's second. Uh, then of course, Arshi, which is like uh, the I would say the oldest organization working on sexuality education in India has a couple of books uh, which people can look up, which is like the red book, orange, orange book, so on and so forth, which is essentially like they have two books for uh, kids, which is uh, one for one particular age group and the other one for elder ones. And then the red and uh, orange book is also for teachers and parents both. So, if they, so basically it highlights certain instances which may come up in certain conversations and how to navigate those, how to teach a child about certain topics, right? So those mm -hmm. set of four books can also be really helpful. Uh, this mm -hmm. was a non-internet suggestion. <laughs> then no, um, any kind of resources that we can point our viewers towards, uh, that would be amazing. Right. Absolutely, absolutely. And then, of course, Instagram handles. I think Instagram is a whole another world now, which, I mean, we will be fooling ourselves if we say children don't indulge in it. <laughs> so, uh, uh, there are, in fact, uh, there are very good, uh, you know, uh, pages essentially uh, handled by doctors and physicians yeah. and sex educators, which are tremendous at their work, are making fun-loving reels. They're actually investing energy in the trendy ways to make information float and get trending so that right people yeah. consume it so i mean of course i want to highlight their work too so there is uh dr cuterus who also is a uh, essentially a doctor uh and she also talks about you know basics of sex ed uh then there is talk you never got uh she she is a sex educator so she covers mm -hmm. a range of topics not limited to uh sexual and reproductive health uh, then there is Dr. Nivedita and Dr. Rachi. Uh, Dr. Nivedita is more centered towards, uh, you know, sexual health and talking about that. Dr. Rachi also touches on mental health aspects. So, okay. and, and then there is also a new thought therapist who is essentially just a psychotherapist uh, for, like, of course, she specializes in dealing with children too. So if you have any query, if you're just feeling anxiety about your body if you're just feeling anxiety about let me be particular here that you're i mean you know you don't look as how you should be looking right now or you have certain problem with your significant other at that time i mean you know feel free to pin these people they're always there and they the fact is that you know these people are out there it's just that their voices are not reached and mm -hmm. so uh, what i want to again say here in regards to technology is that I mean, content is out there, people are out there. It's just a matter of kids knowing that it's out there. And kids are actually reaching out for the right information. Yeah. So yeah, I just wanted to highlight these couple of things. Of course, I think there is much more that, uh, you know, uh, many, many more people who are doing uh, tremendous work in the field. So yeah, that's all I'm going to say to the people who are listening. I mean, you know, just indulge in the right content. Honestly, all your questions are answerable, all your problems are novel nothing out of the ordinary just feel free to reach out to the right people and the right content online that's all thank you so much Vartha. thank you so much for your time Bob. no thanks thanks for having me Antara. thanks for giving this platform yeah